Welcome back to Rise and Rouse. This is your host, Erin Allgood, social impact strategist and human being. I'm excited to do this wrap-up episode with all of you. I wanted to take the opportunity to just mark the end of season two with my own my own kind of story about change and my own reflections when it comes to change. Rather than doing kind of a recap episode where I talk about each of the different conversations that I had throughout the season, I really, really wanted to take this opportunity to speak to you all just unscripted authentically about some of my own philosophies around change and about where I'm kind of sitting within the world today and how I'm thinking about a lot of different things. I don't think we've talked too much about this before in any of the episodes, but I am somebody who has just pretty much my entire life been dedicated to justice in one form or another. I came out of the womb as a as a feminist, as my mother will tell you. I've cared deeply about environmental sustainability for a long time as well. And I have just evolved as an advocate for justice over the couple of decades I've been here as a, a geriatric millennial now. And it's really over time I've also just been able to hone how I feel about things like social change, systems change, and really be able to develop some of the philosophies that I that I carry with me into the work that I do and really just more broadly into my life. I was thinking about this today and about how change happens. You know, one of the big reasons why I do this podcast is to to introduce you all to people who are doing amazing things in their world, who are doing, you know, they're all from different backgrounds, different walks of life, different types of work that they're doing, but they're all oftentimes working towards really similar things. There's probably a couple of just very broad themes that we could pull out in terms of the work that folks are doing, but it really all stems from this like deep-seated need to create good in the world, to show up in a real way as authentic people in the world. That's myself as well. That's that's one of the big reasons why I do the work that I do. I started consulting about 10 years ago. And when I originally started consulting, I was focused on doing food systems work. So working with organizations that were, you know, doing anti-hunger work, food access, agriculture organizations. And that was really where my I got my start in doing this kind of change work, really and truly, when it comes down to it. And I was so, so interested in understanding systems thinking, understanding systems in general. I was actually a biochemistry major back in the day in undergrad. And what I kind of started to realize over time was that um, because I was like, well, why was I so interested in biochemistry? And how do you get from where I, from biochemistry to social impact strategist now? And really the through line for all of that is understanding systems thinking. I remember being so enthralled, like understanding the human body and understanding biochemistry and how all of these different molecules would interact with one another. And I was so excited to learn about that. And and it was like second nature to me. I could understand how reactions would be catalyzed. And I remember I had a friend who we would study when we were taking biochemistry together. And she was just like, I don't understand any of this. And I was like, I cannot tell you how I understand this, but I do, (laughs) like innately. And what I've done is just taken those same kinds of principles. And then also through studying systems thinking over time, is I've been able to, to take similar principles to be able to actually apply them to the social change work that I do and the systems change work that I do as well. What I find so fascinating about this is that this work is never going to be done, for one. There's always going to be new frontiers when it comes to 
creating change in the world. Not going to lie, though, I really wish it was a little bit simpler. (laughs) Um, Coming to the end of this year right now, I am exhausted. I'm sure other people feel that same way, too. I'm weary from just the weight of the world. And it feels like doing this kind of change work that I do, it's harder than it's been in past years. People don't have bandwidth for change like they used to. People don't have the appetite for it. We're being bombarded from so many different directions right now that it is really, really hard to find the energy to actually catalyze the change that needs to happen within organizations, within our own lives. Essentially, what you have to do is you have to overcome kind of that hump that you have before you are able to like start flying when it comes to that kind of change. And a lot of people don't have it in them right now. People are just so fatigued. They're struggling to be able to make it all make it all make sense. One of the things that kind of this core truth that I know about doing social change work, though, is that we can't actually do social change work without acknowledging systems of oppression. And this is one of those things that, you know, on occasion on the podcast, we dance around this a little bit. I probably don't say this as explicitly as I should. But in order to be able to create change, really sustainable, long-lasting change within people's lives, change within the environment, change within society, you actually have to reconcile with systems of oppression. You have to understand how those are playing out within within an organization, within our mindsets, within our actions, the ways that we do things. And we have to come to grips with the fact that the culture that we swim in is very much rooted in white supremacy culture, very much rooted in misogyny, very much rooted in a lot of icky things, icky and intangible things that are very, very challenging to wrap our heads around. And until you actually start to make some of those connections, you you can't really pull the veil back and really be able to see things as clearly as you need to be able to in order to be able to create change. I talk about this with some of my organizations on occasion about things like the difference between culture and structure within an organization. A lot of organizations will tell me, we just, you know, we need to change our culture. Something's wrong with our culture. You know, we have a culture of burnout. We have a culture of overwork. We have a culture of competition among staff. And I'm like, that's actually not a culture problem. That is actually a structural problem. It is a structural problem in which we don't pay people what they need to be paid. It's a structural issue in that we don't actually take the action that we need to in order to be able to create manageable workloads. We don't have our priorities straight. That's really what it comes down to. Those are oftentimes decisions or non-decisions that are being made that have cascading effects throughout an organization. And those are structural issues that can be solved with structural fixes. But people don't want to solve those structural issues because that is oftentimes hard. Doing culture change work is actually quite harder, but we can actually do some of those structural things but it requires a lot of decisions that people don't want to make. And those are forms of oppression, really and truly. The people who are in power are the ones who are making the decisions that affect people who are not in power. And it's affecting people adversely. 
It's really as simple as it gets, quite honestly. You can extrapolate a lot of that out to the larger, you know, systems work too, larger societal norms as well. If we could just keep going with this example of overwork and burnout and things like that, we can extrapolate that out to understanding that we live in a capitalistic society that requires us to equate our worth with our productivity. And if we can't actually produce whatever that might be, whatever, it's, whether you're making widgets or you're doing knowledge work, you're producing something. And if you can't produce that at the rate that is expected of you, your value goes down because you're not able to create value for the people who are in power. That has become so ingrained within the psyche of so many different people within this, in this, especially in this country here, that it's anathema to like really to be able to start to break away from that cycle, from that mindset. Because that's the other thing that we understand that we that I know and understand about about systems change and about sy- social change really is that it does not actually just require um, the structural fixes like I was talking about. It requires mindset fixes actually too, and it requires us to like change our minds about these things through whatever it's going to take, you know, to be able to start to shift shift the thinking. Emerald Anderson Ford and I do work together and we we talk about this as being there's tactical changes that can happen, which is like related to those structural changes. Those are things that are pretty tangible and you can check off the box. And then there are adaptive changes. Those are things that aren't as quantifiable. Those are things that are um, much harder to be able to wrap your head around. But that includes the mindset shifts, which then creates the behavior shifts that are needed in order to be able to create change. To an extent that you can have a recipe for this stuff, there are a couple of you know ways that you can start to think about it: the tactical, the adaptive, the structural, the cultural pieces. And there is an alignment that has to happen in order to be able to like to actually then gain enough momentum to be able to actually create that lasting change. You know, and so I talk about all of this as to kind of say we're arriving at the end of the year now. You know, just about two weeks left of the year to go, and. And it's really hard. It is a really, it is, it has been a hard year. It's been a hard couple of years. We are looking at rolling into year four of, of COVID, I guess, you know, at this point, because it's not really actually gone. Um, I know people who are still getting COVID left and right. It's going to continue to have this dramatic lasting effect on our lives, um, even if it's not as prevalent of a concern as it used to be. And we're looking at, again, like a world in turmoil. Like there's so many things that are happening right now. There's so much strife, you know, in the world. There's so many hard things that we're having to reconcile. I haven't been sleeping very well as amid everything that's happening in Gaza um, at the moment and the struggle of Palestinian people against truly oppressive forces. I know that other people feel the same way, too. I know that people are looking at this in horror. And I also know how hard it is to speak up and talk about it and to be be in this moment where we are being gaslit as a nation around what is happening. It is never to say that, that the Jewish people aren't suffering, too, throughout all of this. So we are seeing an increase in anti-Semitism. We are seeing an increase in hateful acts happening, you know, and people I love dearly are fearful and and struggling in this moment. And at the same time, we're also seeing an actual eradication of an entire people, which is horrifying. 
And as we start to think about what is, how is history going to actually judge us all, it is going to be judging us in this moment and whether we spoke up. I can't remember if I've talked about this already, but, you know, I think about oftentimes, like, how do I want to be held accountable? To whom do I want to be accountable to? And I care about being held accountable to people, groups of people, communities that are often overlooked, the types of groups that don't have positional power, societal power, generational power, generational wealth, wealth in general, even if it's not generational wealth. I want to be held accountable to those folks. I don't want to be held accountable to people who are already in power because I'm aligning myself with the oppressors then. And that's not what I want to do. That's not what I want to do. And I suspect that a lot of the people who are listening as well are probably in a similar kind of quandary, maybe not necessarily with this particular um, issue, but you are probably finding yourself at some point pitted against oppressive systems. You're probably finding yourself struggling in some shape, way, or form against trying to make it ahead, trying to get ahead in a world that doesn't value our wholeness. And I am sorry for your struggle. I am sorry for my struggle. I am sorry for the struggle that so many people are going through. And I also know that the ways that we start to create that kind of change, the ways that we start to move forward is with one another. We find power in the collective. We find community and love and justice with one another. And it is only through community, it is only through through that steadfast belief that change is possible, that we are able to achieve what we're trying to achieve. And so if you're like me and the world feels really hard right now, I get it. I understand it. I acknowledge it. And I also want you to go find your people. I want you to go find the people who lift up your soul, who inspire you, who make your heart feel full. I want you to pause the work that you're doing. I want you to pause the fear. I want you to pause the anxiety. And I want you to be able to live truly into who you are. I want you to take the opportunity to do something that makes you feel alive, that makes you feel full, that makes you feel joy. In these kinds of hard times, our humanity is one of the things that nobody can take away from us. They can't take away who we are. The oppressors can't win if we love ourselves, if we find joy, despite all of the, the hardship. That's what I'm going to leave you with today. I wanted to take the moment to just wrap up the second season because it was important to me. It was important to me to talk to you all, and it was also important to have the closure that I needed for this season too. As I start to look to season three, in 2024, just know that there might be some changes to the format of how we're going to be doing this. Steph, my amazing producer, her and I have been talking about how we could do this a little bit differently. So it's very, very exciting to have some of these changes on the horizon and also know that we are definitely going to be coming back for season three. We just don't know exactly what that's going to look like yet. And as we do, we will absolutely let you all know what that's going to look like. So the best way to stay up to speed on all of this is to sign up for my newsletter. 
which we ha- always have in the show notes. Um, and you can find that by going to allgoodstrategies.com, which is my website. And you can follow us on Instagram at Rise and Rouse, or you can also follow All Good Strategies on Instagram as well. Just stay tuned for what's coming next. If you are also interested in connecting with me about anything else, I don't know. <laughs> There's all sorts of ways we could connect. Um, I have so many exciting things that are coming up in the new year, such as an anti-racist book club. We'll link that um, in the show notes as well. And Emerald and I launched the Community of Practice, which you've at this point probably heard about, um, which we're calling the Learning Circle. And that is available for organizations and networks to reach out to us to, you know, to talk a little bit more about what that could look like as well. And as always, I offer coaching and consulting services for individuals and organizations who give a damn and who are looking to create real impact. So, you know, reach out if you have any questions about how we could work together. Or just if you want to connect in general, too, I, I hope that this episode resonates with all of you and that and that it it is hitting the right note in terms of kind of giving you all a little bit of hope and inspiration to carry into the new year. So I love you all so much. I can't wait to see you all in 2024. And please stay in touch. Rise and Rouse is created and hosted by me, Erin Allgood. It is produced and edited by Steph George of Stefania Audio. Production support from Grace Cleary Morin and Yana Krasanova. Our theme music is written and produced by Chris Marion. If you enjoyed this conversation, please leave a five-star rating and review to help us reach more people. Make sure to follow Rise and Rouse wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss your chance to hear from someone who gives a damn. Follow us on Instagram at Rise and Rouse and sign up for my newsletter by going to allgoodstrategies.com.